Blog Talk Radio. Wait a second. There's no way Wait, I'm this the is one. not working. I'm the one that it says it's working. It says it's working. It's just not working. Oh well. Hold on. Welcome to my life the last seven years. Yeah, I don't get it. I really don't get it. It says it's working. Anyway, well, that's what we get for hosting a show on a Sunday. That's basically what, what, the, what Blog Talk Radio is telling us. Do not host shows on Sunday, especially when the Jets are actually in this game at 13-10 to 10 in the third quarter. But anyway, welcome to the show, everybody. Thanksgiving special. Sorry about the change in schedule. Uh, I am unable to make tomorrow's show or a Tuesday show, so we decided better Sunday than no day at all. And based on yesterday's college football experience that I had at Boston College and the rest of you and the rest of you had watching. Hey! Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along, move along. I don't even know. Blog talk is just totally messing us up today. But anyway, so yesterday we saw the the end of Michigan and the end of Michigan's defense. Seth, I didn't get to watch the game. I was at Boston College um, in Boston for Thanksgiving, and happy Thanksgiving, everybody. I didn't watch any of the game. I saw it was very close in the third quarter. And then I saw it wasn't so close in the third quarter. Take us down a little bit. Not really much to say. Um, Ohio State does what Ohio State does to Michigan every year. The the difference being this was the ex, this was the year that Michigan was going to make the run. That Michigan was finally under Harbaugh going to beat Urban Meyer, you know, break that jinx and go go on beat Northwestern and make it be the four seed in the playoff and. You don't expect Michigan to score 39 on Ohio State or 32 on Ohio State in more normal years, but 61 is an unfathomable abomination, for lack of a better word, and for lack of two words, I should say. Ohio State has to throws for 3-8 or 405 touchdowns. They run for 1-6. They just dominated the crap out of them in the second half. In Michigan, Michigan plays a power, plays a not, you know, kind of plays the antithesis of what modern football is in regards to they're not a hardcore, they're not a hardcore passing team. team. They're, they're a run the ball and hardcore defense team. And they're the number one defense in the country coming in. They certainly don't going out and are left in a, you know, they're left in this, you know, they'll be in the group of six again, a group of five, excuse me, again. Um, it's not great if you're a Michigan fan and you've watched in the last four years, you know, you're, you're, you've gone 0-4 against Ohio State. You've, you're 2-6 against your two big rivals. And this was a chance where your team was better this year going into this game. And now you're looking at a peach ball or, a, you know, you're, you're not looking at, you're looking at not a bad ball and it's a step up from the last prior year, but 
you've got to be immensely disappointed if you're if you are a fan of the the Basin Boil. Okay, so let me ask you a couple of questions. Being the college football expert of the two of us, not that that really means anything comparing. <laughs> not to not a high bar. Not a high bar. Jim Harbaugh returns. Give me give me a percentage, and it doesn't have to be that he's fired. It means that he might leave. What what's oh, your percentage that Harbaugh returns? Uh, about eighty. He's not going to be fired. Okay. No, um, I get that. Want... Well, that's what I'm saying. He could re- he could just leave to go to the NFL, back to the NFL. So you're saying 80% that he's coming back as opposed to 20 taking yeah. another job somewhere uh, else. Yeah, there may be. I don't know the head coaching job that will tempt them. Maybe it's Cleveland, which would be ironic, going to Ohio. Maybe it's, you know, I, I don't know exactly who's, you know, I don't know where the openings are going to be. But it's going to take, I think it's going to take an enormous effort for him to leave. I'm actually surprised that you put it so low. I, I thought 80 would be low. I thought 90 or 95 in, in the concept of him leaving Michigan. I think it's either a $10 million job or he stays. I don't th- and, yeah. and quite frankly, I'm not even sure a $10 million job gets him to leave. He's making almost $8 million there. Yeah, if he leaves, it's simply it's not a money game. It's not going to be a money grab. Because he's not going to get paid significantly more to go back to the NFL. It's going to be simply that he wants to play coach in the NFL. And if that's the reason, then, you know, what can you do? So, okay. So, uh, when, so when we look at these standings, and granted, we're, we're talking right now, looking at Tuesday's standings. Michigan drops to seven or eight. The, Ohio yeah, State has there. to jump them, right? Ohio State has Ohio to State jump them. Ohio State's at 10. They're going to jump probably to six or seven. Um, what you're going to look at is you're going to see the You're going to see one, two, and three are going to be the same. Okay. Four is going to be Georgia, but that's irrelevant because With next week. Georgia plays Alabama. Georgia plays Alabama in the SEC title game. Correct. If Georgia wins, then your top four is set. There's no discussion. And out, Georgia's not getting in with two losses. Okay. So, realistically, what you're look, in my mind, I don't think this is that difficult of a decision. Um, to me, if assuming Alabama wins, if Oklahoma beats Texas, they're number four. And that's it. They're eleven and one. They will, uh, they will, a they will, you know, avenge the one loss that they've had, and. It was to a team that is a top fifteen team, Ohio State, which would be the, best, the next would be next in line. Lost to an to an unranked Purdue team that went six and six. Should have lost to a Maryland team that's went five and seven. They had one great game this season. It's not enough to get them to to the playoffs. Now the crappy part is UCF, who's going to go eleven and zero again, and will be closer. But with their with their quarterback out for the year, there's no chance. That they're going to jump at this at fourteen and zero and or twelve and zero, and I'm not sure they shouldn't. Um, Oklahoma has no defense. Ohio State has no defense. I'm not really sure that the, that they shouldn't be the the fourteen. Although I haven't watched them as much as I have the other teams this, this year. Okay, so let's play this out. So Ohio State goes to the Big Ten championship against who? Northwestern. 
Okay, so let's assume Ohio State beats Northwestern. Ohio State is going to the Rose Bowl. Yes. Yes, against the win okay. against most likely Washington, who beat Washington okay, so State that, and knocked that, them out of the rankings. Only way that Michigan goes to the Rose Bowl, and this is this was asked of me yesterday amongst many people, is Ohio State is in the top four, or Ohio State loses to Northwestern. Is that correct? In your opinion? Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, I would think so. Okay. Um, All right, both so of which are entirely possible. Both of which possible. are possible. Entirely possible. Uh, I mean, Ohio, yeah. Ohio State can certainly Ohio lose. State we just said possible. that they haven't, beat, they haven't beaten anybody, so it's po- except for the, Michigan, so the, it's definitely possible. Other than Michigan. Yeah. Okay, so – so we have what you believe is our four. Let's talk a little UCF here. UCF loses their quarterback um, in a big way. Uh, I mean, devastating injury to a guy that won 23 games in a row and was on his way to 24. There's no yeah. way this team can make, can make the top four? No way? If, if they route it next week, if they, if, they, if they win 50 to nothing next week, the problem is this, and it's incredibly hypocritical, but the guy, Heather Dinich from ESPN interview, called the head guy from the head NCAA. I forget his name. I forget who it is off the top of my head. And he said, you know, he pretty much said that the, that, the, that the injury would have an impact on whether they're making it or not. Yeah. I mean, practically speaking, the only way I could see, I could see them making it is, it's very, actually very simple. Alabama wins, Northwestern beats Ohio State. Texas beats Oklahoma. There's no, there's no one loss teams left. Mm-hmm. And at that point, UCF at 12 and 0. I mean, it's, it's kind of you know, it, there's nobody else. Ironically, the Big 12, everybody will have two losses. The Pac 12, everyone will have two losses. The Big 10, everyone will have two losses. So what are you looking same at? Same deal. Yep. ACC, same deal, except for Clemson. So, you know, yep. you're the SEC, same deal. So you're not going to take a two-loss LSU or a two-loss Georgia over a undefeated smaller conference team. A one-loss, yes. Two-loss, no. Okay, so basically, as every single year, I root for the exact same thing. It is a five-letter word named, uh, named chaos. I would say I havoc. Need you know, havoc or chaos, I think they're synonyms. They work the same way. They mean the same thing. Um, so I need, I need the trifecta. I need Ohio State to lose to Northwestern. I need Texas to, lose to, Oklahoma, uh, to beat Oklahoma. And I need Alabama to beat Georgia. So I think Alabama beating Georgia is my easiest one. And I think Texas beating Oklahoma is my hardest one. I disagree. I think Northwestern beating Ohio. Oklahoma is going to be motivated as hell um, going into this game, having lost to Texas once already this year. Right. So, that's, well, that's, I that's think, why I'm saying that that would be the hardest. Oh, you. Right. I think that's the hardest one for me to win is that one. Is Texas yeah. beating Oklahoma for a second time? Yeah, I think that's really difficult. Um, but. You know, stranger things have happened. And at that point, I think you're looking, especially with Washington State being eliminated on Friday night, I think you're looking at UCF. 
um, assuming they win out. If they lose in the conference title game, I don't know if they're playing Memphis or they're play, or who they're playing. Then I don't have the slightest. It really doesn't yet. matter. Oh, you oh, mean if matters. all four things happen? You mean if all four things happen? If all four things yeah. happen, the Syracuse Orange will be in the playoffs with three losses. Yeah, I mean, no, no, yeah, that's won't. your ultimate havoc. Because then five, six, seven, and eight lose, or four, five, six, and seven lose, and eight, nine, and ten all have two losses, and then it's who has the best two-loss team, and uh, I have no idea. Seth, you're you're making a recipe for for happiness for me next week. I know. Because I would love to see all of that happen. Because as we have discussed every single year since this stupid playoff started, and before that, the stupid bowl championship series, four teams is just not enough. It's, it's, it's simple. Four teams is just not enough. And I think we're, we're going to see that again this year, where we're going to have a, a two-loss team in somehow. Um, Unless Oklahoma wins. All right, well, get, you, uh, it's my belief that Alabama is going to beat Georgia. Yours as well? Yes. Okay. All right. So do you agree that UCF's quarterback, the loss of a quarterback, should be a determining factor in whether they even are, um, I don't know, nominated, eligible, uh, considered is the word I'm looking for, considered for the bowl championship series. Because it does in the NCAA tournament, right, for basketball. It does. Kenny Martin, Martin. Kenny Martin. People get injured and you get, you get a lower seed. It probably has to because you're only getting four in. And it's supposed to be the best four. Again, it goes back to, and this is, I guess, the problem we have in the NCAA tournament. Is it the four most deserving based upon the year they've had, or is it the four best teams? And those are not always, those are not always, those are not always the same. Correct. So, but I think it's a little different to me. The, to me, I, I think for, for, the, for the tournament, it's probably for the four-team tournament, it's more based upon the four best teams as opposed to the 64, where it's the most deserving. To me, I differentiate so, but okay. I really have so, a lot of trouble seeing them not get in if they have no losses and everyone else has two, regardless of it, regardless so we, of whether Milton plays or not. So let so yesterday capped off one of the more disappointing and to me the most disappointing season in college football, and that would be Wisconsin. I was going to ask you your opinion on the most disappointing team of the 2018 college football regular season, oh, which I guess is the same is, as postseason. Um, there have been three that have been shockingly bad. Wisconsin, okay. USC, and Florida State. The reason Wisconsin is the most disappointing is because they had top five aspirations. USC probably didn't with Darnold leaving. And um, Florida State was coming with a new coach. I wasn't expecting, you know, I don't think you were expecting the Spanish Inquisition. But that being said, I don't think anyone expected under 500 from both teams this year. For Florida State losing okay. the bowl. 
So I'm completely shaking my head over your use of the Spanish Inquisition in that parable. Oh, completely. I, my, I have no I, idea where that's coming from. It's from a movie. Um, oh, okay. It, it's either I forget if it's it's from Sliding Doors and it may be from a Mel Brooks movie as well. So okay. yeah. I mean, I know what the Spanish Inquisition was, but I didn't believe that. I was like, huh? Where's this coming from? Okay. So I definitely think it was Wisconsin. And you're right. Top five aspirations. Clay Helton saves his job in USC, even with last night's loss against Notre Dame. You saw last night that, that Clay Helton has some pieces on the USC, USC team. I'm not sure if you watched the game. But it, it, it made me laugh a little bit in that over and over the commentators were saying, well, they're down to their sixth safety or their seventh safety or their sixth cornerback or their seventh cornerback. And I thought it was funny for two reasons. First of all, their seventh cornerback would start on most teams. That's number one. And number two, the fact that they couldn't understand why towards the end of the game – the seventh cornerback and the sixth cornerback weren't making the same plays. My response is they're tired. I don't know. It didn't, it, it just didn't, I'm like, they're not, they're not the top players and they're getting tired. They're not used to it, but Helton saves his job warranted or should have been fired. Um, I see he's keeping his job to be perfectly honest. Um, for a couple reasons. Number one, USC usually doesn't have patience. Usually doesn't have patience. Um, and credit to Lynn Swan, whether you agree with the move or not, for actually showing so. But what I also thought interesting was this year, of all years, there are no big programs who are expected to lose a coach. So you would truly have your choice of anyone you wanted. And I'm not saying it won't be next year if they don't go, you know, nine and three or 10 and two. Um, but usually five and seven is not, is not really accepted at the Southern Cal. And I am genuinely surprised. Although Lynn Swan has been known to be very fond of him. I, I'm, I'm surprised. I'm not going to lie. Well, I for one am a very happy camper because that's one less job that Syracuse will have to deal with, with Dino Babers. Um, so we've, we've seen a couple of the men, the coaches are going to be changed, right? We, we saw Texas Tech letting go yep. of, um, of ma- uh, not Cliff Major Applewhite, Cliff, Cliff Livingston, who I always confuse with Major Applewhite. Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury, buddy. Cliff Livingston was a power King forward for the, for the Hawks they, in the 1980s. For the Hawks, you're absolutely right. Louisville has, uh, uh, has fired Bobby Vitrino. Uh, where do we see – any of the jobs, or I know you just you just mentioned that you don't foresee any of the big jobs coming open. I, I can see Oklahoma, perhaps, if if Lincoln Riley goes to the NFL. But other than that, I, I'm in agreement with you. I don't see any of those big jobs coming up this year, which the cycle goes round and round, and perhaps I keep my coach for the first time. I think I, so. I, I become. I think you will keep your coach. Um, I don't think Maryland's a good enough job for him to jump for. Nor is I think nope. the best job out there right now is North Carolina. Um, 
And I don't know. I think that's a lateral move for Babers at best. I think for North Carolina, you're looking at, you know, the defensive coordinator from, uh, I forget the name, from Georgia, Mel Tucker. You're looking at Tony Elliott from, from, from Clemson. I think you're looking at those kind of, you're looking at, you know, there's a couple of smaller school uh, guys. I, I think that's what you're looking at. Satterfield at Appalachian State. Um, yeah, Seth Luttrell at, at North Texas. Neil Brown at Troy. I, I think you're looking at that. Which aren't bad choices, I, but oh, you're looking at Mac Brown, and that yeah. seems to be there seems to be a lot of momentum for Mac Brown coming returning to North Carolina. Hence the less. Really? I mean, I, yeah, which I don't really get, but you know, it, I, I he's got he's very popular down there. He fits the profile, and he won there, which a lot of people didn't. So correct, and we'll, we'll see how less that plays miles, out. But. Les Miles finally gets a job, uh, is a Jayhawk, one of the weird hirings for me, that that might have been maybe in the top 50 jobs that I thought he would take. Uh, it doesn't seem like a natural fit to me with him in the Big 12. It's not. He wanted a coach. He didn't really care about anything else. The reason he was able to to get this job was that I believe the court, they, they changed um, athletic directors, and the athletic director, I, they did. I don't know if it's Jeff Long I, from Arkansas. I forget who jumped over, but they have a past relationship with Les Miles. Um, at the end of the day, Miles just wanted to coach again. I don't think, I don't think, you know, he's, I don't see the fit to me. I mean, I guess for them, it's, it's quick publicity in a sport where they don't have any. Um, but you're not going to, I don't see that as a growth spot. I don't see, you know, bringing less miles is going to help, you know, revitalize the program. I think you'd want someone young and enthusiastic. That's how I would see it anyway. I would, I would Um, tend to agree. But there is one thing that we can certainly, we can certainly settle on. You know, I understand that Maryland's football season is over and Syracuse's continues but we will see each other in the second week of next year in Maryland. Syracuse does play at Maryland next year. So looking forward to seeing that. Do they really? It, it, they do. Week two. Interesting. I did not, I have not, looked at my 27, I have not looked at my 2019 schedule. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit behind to, on that. Handicap, handicap the Maryland race. Who's going to get the coaching job? Andy, give, give me a couple. Give me a couple of names. It's a three. It's a. It's pretty much, I think, a three-coach race at this point. Um, the favorite is Mike Loxley, who was the interim coach there. He's the offensive coordinator at Alabama. He's a DC guy. Um, the reason that he is not the overwhelming favorite is because he was a head coach at New Mexico several years ago, probably a decade ago, it went three and 30 and had a lot of NCAA problems. And I'm not sure that, you know, Maryland in this, in their current state, that's how they, that's what they want to approach. Um, I think number two is the Q Canada, who I don't think is the right move, but he's done an excellent job and was within, within a bad pass 
of a bad two-point conversion pass by Tyrone McGrone of going to a bowl game, which with this, considering the situation this team has been in this year, would be a hell of an accomplishment. I think number three is probably Mel Tucker from Georgia, the defense coordinator. But I think they're going to want to go offense. I think, you know, a program that needs to be revitalized and needs to be – there's a lot of talent on the offensive end. If you saw the Ohio State game, or you, you, saw, you would see that. Um, I think you have to go offensive. <sighs> My guess is they're going to go Loxley. Um, but I don't – considering they don't have an off, we're not even sure about their athletic uh, director. I'm not sure if Damon Evans is going to survive this, even though he hasn't been fired as of now. What a terrible pass by Eli Manning. Um, yeah, I, th- I, I would lean toward Loxley, but he's already said he may not come if Damon Evans is still there. So there's a lot of moving parts. I mean, the one good thing about Loxley is that he knows the area. He's a great recruiter, and he actually, if, if I'm correct, he was on the staff just a couple of years ago, correct? Yes, he was. So he, yeah. he wants this. This is his, the best thing that Loxley brings is this is his dream job. And there's a lot to be said for that. Well, I've heard that. Well, I've, I've heard that. Doug, Doug Marone said that too before he, he decided his dream job was over at the Buffalo Bills. So yeah, I, I've heard. I've heard no, that. It's a little, and, and, little different, I think. Um, the last time Maryland had a coach who's, who, who, where it was their dream job was Ralph Regan, and Ralph Regan had a nice run at Maryland. So there's a lot to be said for that. If if it's if that's the direction they go, and if they see the the one thing we've seen this a couple times over the years, which is dangerous, is if you go with an interim coach who has one huge win or one, you know, or a great four or five game run, when a team is going strictly on emotion, you know, it could set your it could set you back a few years if it doesn't follow if this doesn't follow through. Um, this kind of reminds me of the Bill Stewart Rich Rodriguez. Well, Rodriguez left yep. to go to Michigan. And Bill Stewart came in, won the bowl game, and got like a five-year, three- or four-year extension, and then promptly crapped the bed for the next two or three years till he was fired. So you have to be careful with interim coaches. I do think Matt Canada is going to be a coach somewhere. Um, I'm just not sure that Maryland's going to want to keep him. Okay, that's, that's fair. That's fair. Okay. So we have who's in. We have who's going home. Uh, I'm, I'm going on to the – it sounds like Syracuse is going to the Camping World Bowl, some bowl game that's in Orlando. So happy days <laughs> for me. Uh, look, it's, it's on December 28th, I think. It's on a Friday. It, it, it's ridiculous how many bowl games there are. I, I was hoping for a New Year's, Eve, New Year's Bowl. It's probably not going to happen. But I'll take what I can get after uh, the demolishment of – the doubling up, actually, of of Boston College yesterday uh, up in Chestnut Hill, which was a phenomenal, I would like to say, Syracuse home game because it seemed like there were twice as many Syracuse fans there as there were Boston College fans. Have you ever been to a game, more of a football game than a basketball game, where it is so one-sided that it seems like a home game for the other team? Um, I have a couple times at Maryland. They're just so not Maryland. A, uh, Maryland was the home team, and another team yeah. brought all their fans. Got it. 
Maryland's not exactly new. It's one of the hypocrisies of what's happened with all this, where there are all these protests and this and that. But Maryland's never been great at getting its fans to go to the football games. Um, now, present company excluded, because I think I went to just about every one, you know, every home game in four years. I may have gone in after the first quarter because the tailgates ran really long, but I was there. Um, but I don't know if you can complain about these things and then not the. And what I've been trying, what I've told, what I've said all along is you have to support the players. They've done nothing wrong in this, and they've handled themselves with great, you know, aplomb or great, you know, with a lot of with more class than anyone else has in this issue, in, during this. And by not coming to some of these games, you know, you're kind of spouting a hypocrisy that you, a hypocrisy that you know, you know, they're they're backing the players, they're backing the players, but then when you want, when the players need your support, they're not there. But again, Maryland has also been irrelevant for ten years in football for the most part, and with that becomes apathy. Get good, we'll go see you. Do you believe that that's what it is in college football? Because so I was having this conversation with a couple of people last night in the fact that you have to win in order to get a crap. I'm not sure that's exactly true. I think that's true in certain places. But if Alabama was horrible for two years, which they were under Mike Shula for a while, um, they still drew crowds, right? I mean, it's Florida still draws crowds. Wisconsin still draws crowds, even at 7-5. and five. Okay, well, let's take a step back to what we're talking about here. You're talking about SEC football. You're talking about sports where football is the number one sport. Okay, Schools that's where fair. Is the number one sport. Maryland football is not the number one or number two sport. So you can't really go by that. Maryland is a basketball school first, a lacrosse school second, and a football school third. Now, okay. you know, with Andy McFarlane will probably be a legitimate Heisman Trophy candidate next year. Um, so there's going to be some excitement coming back. And Everyone's coming back off of a team mm. that really, you know, in most, you know, the team that did not at no point this season, other than maybe yesterday, and I didn't watch much of the game, but they were down 14 at the half. They just, their season ended when Ohio State, off the Ohio State game, and they were just, you know, it just wasn't meant to be, unfortunately. But they handled themselves quite well. So, um, sorry, I just lost my train of thought. But you know, you go no, to Alabama. Okay. You go to Alabama. You go to Notre Dame. Yeah, you go to Michigan. Yeah, but they're you know they're still going to come, but they're also going to have less patience for a team that's seven and five or six and six. That's fair. Okay. So we talked. We we've talked in the past about how we don't. Well, at least for Seth, Seth doesn't watch any baseball until after July fourth. That's generally yes. is, is if not even later than that. And I think that's the same to behold with me in college basketball is that I don't really watch any, well, I've been to a couple of games, but I, I, I'm not tuning into Syracuse playing Moorhead State on a Thursday night. I'm waiting until ACC, ACC play takes place starting in the next month, month and a half. Do you pay any attention to the NBA game at this point? I know you're not a huge NBA guy, guy in the first place. But there are some, well, there are some startling, become, startling things that are happening in the NBA. 
actually I've become more and more of one for one very simple reason. My son loves watching basketball. And as you said, to watch Maryland versus Oklahoma A&T isn't very interesting. So we've watched a lot, I've watched a lot of Nets games with Jake and, you know, even Carly, it's the one sport where there's no, where she's pretty, pretty good with me watching, you know, she's more than happy to watch the games. So I've actually watched more NBA this year than I have this early than I have in the last probably 10 years. Well, that's great. Um, Then we can talk about the NBA because I was hoping that you would. So (laughs) the one, there are a couple of surprising things that are going on in the NBA. One is, I don't know if you've gotten to watch the Celtics recently. I've watched a couple of the they're, games they're kind of in Boston the last week. They are, they are a dumpster fire. Like we, we were very concerned, we being Seth and myself, about the Celtics in that there's only one ball, right? You got, five, you got people coming back like Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward. And you have already probably their best player is Jason Tatum, and then they have Jalen Brown and Al Horford, and and uh, I can't remember the guy's name. Marcus, well, help me out here. Smart. Marcus. Marcus Smart, smart or Marquis that's Smart. A, Marcus Smart. That's why I couldn't remember it because I ain't so smart. So Marcus Smart, and there's only one ball, and they seem to not like to share, <laughs> and they're not playing any sort of defense. And Gordon Hayward can't seem to mesh himself back into that rotation. What's going on with them? I mean, I've seen a couple of their games. It just seems like everything that was working last year is just not working this year at all. I think there were a lot of things that were taken for granted. Um, First of all, you know, this whole idea of Kyrie coming over being a leader. When has Kyrie ever been a leader? Well, he led. He was to answer the question. He led the movement that the that the world was flat. He led he the movement was... that there were no that that there were no dinosaurs. He led. He he and Carl Everett led a movement. Okay, continue on. That was supposed to be halfway close to funny. It wasn't. Continue on. Yeah. Um. Hayward's not back to where he was, which isn't surprising because for most people, it takes more than one year. It often takes two years, so that's not a shock. They're just they're, the problem is it's a very difficult team to to coach, I would think, because this is now a team that has it looks like has the complacency of, you know, we we can get to you know because they they had received so much recognition last year making it to Game Seven of the final of the Eastern Conference Finals, they haven't done anything yet. But it seems like they, they're acting like they have. Nobody has been very good for them this year. And a lot of breaks that were going their way last year, for whatever reason, haven't been. Well, you cannot lose at home to the New York Knicks. You just can't if you're a championship team. And, you know, the, the reality may be they're just not what we thought they were going to be. Now, it doesn't mean they're not going to be there in a month or two. It just means you have to make it more adjustments accordingly. And Stevens has always been very good at that, but it's just it has been an ugly, ugly start for. All right, so let's look. So let's look at the corollary or the 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 opposite of that, in that we have a team like Memphis, 
Now, I've only seen two of their games, but everybody's staying healthy. Mike Conley is playing out of his mind, and they're in the second slot in the West. Is that just a, fig, a figment of everybody's imagination, and it'll just it'll die off because, as we know, these guys can't play 82 games? Or is it real? Is that type of – I mean, they're looking at Yakim Noah at this point, so I'm not really sure that that's real. But other it's than neither. that, it's neither. is this a, is neither? Okay. Think about it. What happened last year when they fell apart? They lost Conley and they lost Gasol. Correct. If you lose Conley and you lose Gasol, you're for all intents and purposes you're you're a minor league team. So they bring those. You know, they both come back. You have you bring in Jaron Jackson. They bring in one or two other free agents. I'm forgetting who. And suddenly, and you look at their division, and their division, now, I, I, I believe they're in San Antonio's division. I could be wrong, but I'll take a quick look just to confirm. And uh, division, there we go. Okay. They're in, yeah, all and six. When you look in their division, Houston has been a dumpster, has been awful. Although they're playing better as of late, San Antonio is certainly taking a step back. The Mavericks are playing relatively well, and the Pelicans are. Their division is not that very strong either. You know, so they're off to a really, really nice start. But again, we're twenty games. We're we're twenty percent through the season. Twenty five percent percent through the season. Well, that's part of what I was getting at is I was asking you, are you watching the games? Because I have watched on the preliminary, right? I mean, the NBA playoffs is so long and the Knicks are just so bad that sometimes watching these games this early in the season is a little difficult. But there, but there have been some good storylines with LeBron coming back to Cleveland with DeMar DeRozan fitting himself in I mean, they're they're twenty percent of the of the way done already with their season, and we are looking at the Raptors seemingly being the best team in the NBA potentially. I mean, the Warriors have looked like a shell of themselves. They look like a shell of themselves, but they're still fourteen and seven. So it's 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 not. But again, oh. It's still not the worst of situations. The problem being is this is the first time in really recent years, as strong as the West is, other than Golden State, at the top top tier, the East is right there with them. Toronto has been sensational. Milwaukee has been sensational. Uh, Indiana has been very good. Philly's been solid in bringing Butler. You know, we've talked about it back and forth, but you know, whether we, he's worth what they're going to end up signing for and whether he's, he's, he is the solution, which neither of us really think he is, there's certainly talent there. Um, but the West is just not, you know, Houston's been down, San Antonio's been down, New, or- New Orleans has been down, Portland's been very good, but it's hard to have faith in Portland. And you know, although they're a team that I root for, it's hard to have, have a lot of confidence in Portland. You know, outside, you know, in regards to their front court. 
And the Clippers have the second-best record in the West, and no one really believes in them. So, I mean, it's been an interesting start to the year, to say the least. So when do you start believing in teams? When, it, when is the, the, the point where you say, okay, 50 games? Yeah, give or take. A little over halfway through the year. All right, so we'll definitely circle back with what's going on more than halfway through the year. Because right now, would you say that the Grizzlies really are a playoff team? Right now, they are. But would I, you know, so would I, would I, would I think they would be in a month or two? Probably not. But, you know, stranger things have happened. You know, this is a team that went to the conference finals a couple of years ago, and they've been a consistent, consistent playoff team until last year. And last year was an anomaly for a variety of ways. Okay, so have you seen a number one pick? Other, let's take away Anthony Bennett, but have you seen a number one pick that has fallen as quickly other than Anthony Bennett as Markel Fultz? Um, look up the name of LaRue Martin. Oh, LaRue Martin in 1981. 1974. I don't need to look him up. I know who he 74? I think so. 1981 was Isaiah. Okay, now I'm looking it up. But LaRue Martin actually played, and I think he averaged 7.1 points a game. For some reason, that is sticking in my head. If I'm right, I get, I get, he was drafted in 1972. So you were right okay. on that one. Ahead of Bob McAdoo and Julius Irvin. So he played okay. four years, and in his first year, he averaged 7.0 points per game. That was in his best year. <laughs> All right. I, I, look, I, I was pretty close. That, that, yeah. that was, okay. I don't know why that stuck with me. Love- so, but LaRue Martin actually played, right? He played four years. He wasn't traded within what, what a sent The number one pick in the draft traded within or pretty much sold on the open market for relatively peanuts less than 14 months after he started his NBA career. I mean, Markel Fultz has gone from hero to zero faster than I've seen anybody in, in any sport. That, maybe Ryan Leaf. I, like, I don't think he ever hit zero. Um, <laughs> okay. He's just, he, he, I don't know if it's a mental issue. I don't, you know, I, I don't know, but you know, when the NFL players are mimicking or are scoring touchdowns and mimicking his, his, his form in a touchdown celebration, um, it ain't great. And now he's requesting a trade, but I, I don't think Philly can trade him because you're getting 12 cents on the dollar. And even if he doesn't get better, his value is not going to go, can't really go much further down. Well, that was going to be my next question. So what type of team can take him on and what value are you looking at? Are you looking at, I mean, I'm look, I heard of him sort of demanding a trade, but not officially demanding a trade. And I, I sort of thought about teams that might want to take him on. And the, 
the issue is with these teams, the salary cap is such a big deal in this upcoming year when half the NBA is a free agent that he's seven million on the cap. I mean, as the number one pick in the draft, he's a big number, uh, not a huge number, but over the mid-level exception. So not, he's not a legit. Not, there you go. Not an ungood number, but not a great number. Exactly. So seven point four million on on the cap. What type of team can take that on, knowing you have this year and next year guaranteed, and then knowing at that point you're either going to dump him or you're going to sign him? And he no no NBA player takes a salary cut. So how much are you willing to pay a guy like that? If you're the Nets, do you take on a guy like that? If you're the Knicks, do you take on a guy like that? Or more importantly, if you're like the Miami Heat, do you take on a guy like that, knowing that you're capped out over the next couple of years and maybe you can resurrect his career and he'll be the value of the number one pick? I wonder if he goes to someplace like Houston. Houston? Because... Because here's my feeling with, you know, he gets traded for, I don't know, a Marquise Chris, who has another year on his contract and something like that. Because he needs to go to a place, the only people who are, the only place he's going to go where they're going to offer him anything, where he could, he needs to go to a place where he has veteran leadership. And that's part of the problem in Philly is other than Redick, there's nobody, there's nobody there. Because Jimmy Butler is not exactly the mentoring type. I was just going to say, is he considered leadership? <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. But Ask Andrew Wiggins. Me, Markel Fultz should make yeah. a phone call to Andrew Wiggins and see what type of leadership Jimmy Butler brings to the table. Yeah, that's exactly my point. So to me, you know, you go to a Houston, you play under Chris Paul and Harden and Eric Gordon, and you get 10 to 15 minutes a game. And you work yourself back in. Okay. So if you're the so if you're the Houston Rockets, so I'm looking this up. Houston Rockets salaries, right? Because you have to make this work, right? It's obviously not. You're probably going to. It's not a dump situation. And a Marquise Chris, I don't know if the 76ers even do that. I, I. so Marquise Chris is earning three point two million dollars. You got to add three and a half million dollars to that. Okay, you look. So tell me who else is on Houston's payroll at three million and change? Carmelo Anthony, Michael Carter Williams, James Enos, <laughs> and Gerald they're Green. Not trade, but what? They're not going to trade. They're not going to trade Green. They're not going to trade Ennis. And I guess Michael right. Carter Williams going back to going back to. Uh, to Houston would be kind of go back to it would be kind of funny. Um, right. So here's where here's what you could do conceivably is if you're looking at it from from a standpoint of Philadelphia, and this really depends on where Houston is in the next thirty days. Would you, if you're if you're Houston, say okay, we'll take we'll take faults, and you give us a second rounder. We know Philly has how many first and second rounders, right, throughout the next right. five years. You give me Fultz and a second rounder, and I'll give you P.J. Tucker. P.J. Tucker would fill in very well with that Philadelphia team. You'd, You'd have, have two more years on contract 
at about seven million a year. You'd have to be asked nine if you're Houston to make that deal. Okay. PJ Tucker. What if they gave you a first round pick? Is your last remaining defender? How do you trade PJ Tucker? Okay. Well, this is why I'm asking you questions here. Okay, then you know, then Houston really has no way to do this as okay. much as I'm looking at it. They, they have so no way to do it. How about a team like the Spurs? You can play behind the Rose and play behind Patty Mills. Play behind Patty Mills. Yeah. But what is the value going back? That's what I'm saying. Is it? It's not – if you're the 76ers – do you view this at this point as a straight salary? Well, that, well, that's the whole point of why I'd be hesitant to make the trade. First of all, hesitant to make the trade because literally it's a get rid of, it's an addition by subtraction move. And I'm not sure I'm willing to give up on him that quickly. Okay. If you're getting 15 cents on the dollar, do I really need to give up on him? Because looking at San Antonio's, you know, they have a couple guys, but they're not going to trade. I, I mean, I don't know who Davis Burton says, but he's at $7 million. But you're not going to trade Bellinelli. I mean, although Bellinelli would actually make sense. <laughs> Bellinelli would actually make sense for Philly because they yeah, want to well, shoot he'd go back to Philly. He'd go back to Philly. Right. He was on Philly last year. He'd just go right back. But And that might work if San Antonio wasn't going for the playoffs this year. And, again, that might – what it might take – First of all, I don't think Bellinelli can actually be can be traded until December fifteenth. So that so that goes into it. December first is next right. Week. So that goes in. No, no, December fifteenth. December fifteenth. Oh, December fifteenth. So I think that I think that all goes into it, right? So give it a couple of weeks. I mean, Fultz already said he's not playing this week at all. And here's my bigger question, and I, I don't understand when it's come to. Athletes stating, "I'm just not going to play." Why yeah, are the I don't Sixers get that not either. suspending this guy? Because it you're going to have a labor grievance. It may be part of the union contract. But, By the way, we haven't talked any fantasy. Are you playing against Christian yes. McCaffrey at any team? You see, he no. has sixty points. He has sixty points. What? He has six zero I'm... in my fantasy league this week. Hold on, I'm looking at our league. I don't know what team he's on, though. Are we playing? We're not no, playing I'm looking. At, no, I know that. I'm looking in our league who has him. By the way, Mayfield has 34, Fournette has 25, and Josh Allen has 23. We are very lucky not to be playing anybody good this week. Um, Is there any quarterback we can pick up? Because we have a real problem. McCaffrey has 50 in our league. Oh, I know yeah. we have a big problem. I, the only quarterback that we might be able to pick up is Chase Daniel. Do we know how which long? Which might be worth doing. Out? No, but it might be worth doing anyway. <laughs> yeah. I, I understand how, how big of a problem we have right now. And truth be told, I'm hoping that Jacksonville loses and that way that they bench Bortles <laughs> because we have yeah. Kessler. So at least that will give us something because – Bortles now has a flat zero due to a ten yep. yard run that he just had. A flat zero. But we are winning the league. we are winning the game. So I'm a happy camper with that. Uh the Jets are getting creamed yet again. Run old man Josh McCown, who I believe is younger than me. 
But he is. Whatever. He is. Oh, great. Him and Brady, both younger than us. So, okay. So, Fultz in two weeks. We'll, we'll figure out where he's going in two weeks. Next week, we're going to have our predictions on uh, bowl games. That's what we'll do next week because by next week, all the bowl games should be set. After the, uh, we're going to have our, oh, it looks like, nope, New England did not score again. They almost scored again. The Jets have the they ball. Are covering are the, no, they're, oh, the Jets have the ball. Well, then. The Jets almost scored, not New England. The Jets, oh, correct. I was not watching the correct way. So, anyway, so next week we'll be doing that. Uh, you know, if the Jets aren't going to win this game, I'd really like them not to cover the spread. And right now, it looks like they're well on their way to doing that. That's What's a the bad spread? idea. Spread's 11. Seven and a half? 11. Really? Jeez. It's a lot. Um, yep. Oh. Her leg it. Uh, is there any chance Joe Flacco gets his job back? Are you asking for fantasy-wise or the fact that we own the, – the fact that he may or may not get it back, period? I'm just asking in general. Um, well, is Baltimore winning right now? They're up 17. Lamar Jackson's 14 no. for 25, 178 yards. That's awful. How are they winning? Um, Gus Edwards has 118 yards, and they're playing Oakland. Oh, here it is. So I'm not sure that really counts okay. as a team. Well, he also has 34 yards on the ground. Yeah, he might get yeah. his job back. I don't know. Gus Edwards is 118 yards. That's Alex Collins. Who the hell I assume is Gus Edwards? Well, he was picked up for $5 in our league this week, so that's who he is. And uh, I didn't realize he was go- Alex Collins was hurt, so somebody made a very good play. That's it. So we got five minutes left. Would you like to go first, sir? Um, yeah, I guess. Okay, I'll start. Notes on the best of sports and the worst of sports. Um, what it, well, first of all, I want to talk about quickly the embarrassment of MMA last night where you had Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz fighting uh, for the third time. Both of them are over 40. I don't know who would have paid to have seen this fight, but Golden Boy and their first M should be embarrassed that they put this together. I, I can't imagine. Who. But the best and worst, um, the best is you look, you know, Purdue wins the bowl game, wins the old Oaken bucket, they're going to a bowl game, and Tyler Trent gets the game ball, uh, the cancer patient. Um, USC, Max Olsen, you know, watching him walk out, who's the blind center, and get, you know, for, you know, God, I mean, he's a blind center in place for USC, and get his mad love um, from the fans and from, and from, the, co- and from the coaching staff. Those are two, that's what we love about college football. LSU, Texas A&M going seven overtimes which was the crappy part about that for me was I shut the game off because I thought it was over actually uh, with a minute to go to go seven overtimes, 74, 72 final. It's pretty amazing. The best of college football, the worst is NC state beats NC. And that just leads to a brawl afterwards. Larry Fedora, who doesn't believe in concussion treatments and doesn't believe pretty much just seemingly an awful human being, you know, you know, a full fledged brawl uh, down at Chapel Hill. You know, the worst, and I'm kind of glad to see Fedora gone. You know, two, two and nine seasons should lead to that anyway. But out of, you know, what I've read about him, he's not exactly, 
a bastion of light in the uh, <laughs> in the um, in the college football world. So, uh, oh, for God's sake, how do you how do the Giants leave them open? The Giants about to lose to Philly again. Uh, Twenty-two well, two minutes ago, when Philly's driving. God Wait, damn it! They're gonna lose. They were up yeah, so much. I... Wow. Okay. So first and foremost, a very happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Uh, I hope you all survived last Friday for the fifth straight year, fifth, 15th, 20th. I did do it once. I believe I was in D.C., and it was like 2004 where I went to get my mom a laptop. I did not partake in the Black Friday. And the Jets are going, thank you, New England's going to cover because they blew it on fourth and two. Yes. If you're going to lose, lose big. Anyway. So a very happy Thanksgiving to all, um, and I am incredibly thankful for a lot of things. Um, for all my friends and family, especially during the last couple of weeks, Seth, you're, you're certainly included in that. Uh, it's been a couple of tough weeks for me, and um, job situation and all, but you know what? I got my health, I got my family, I got my friends. Uh, things couldn't have been better last week, going up to Boston, having a great time, with uh, Robin and Chris and Sammy and Evie, and uh, all in all, a uh, fantastic week, capped by Syracuse going 9-3. and three. And to anybody, anybody that says, you know what, what if we had beaten Clemson? What if Syracuse had beaten Notre Dame? Where could we be from now? I ask you this. We were picked, we, I include myself in this, we were picked last in the ACC by all prognosticators last. The prediction was we would win one or two games. If I had told you in August we would be 9-3 and, nine and three and heading to a bowl game, I don't care if it's December 28th, January 2nd, December 15th. Well, December 15th would be a little early. I think that's a humanitarian bowl. Really don't want to be in Boise. But if I had told you back then that we were going to be 9-3, and three, you would have taken it all day, every day, as do I. So an incredible job. I really don't know, know how Eric Dungy still stands after playing, but happy that he did. What a great career. And we'll talk about the retirement of his jersey in like 10 years. So anyway, for Seth Kamins, this is Sean Palmer, Seth and Sean Sports Radio. Thank you very much for tuning in on a Sunday. Right now, Seth and Sean Sports up 86.5 to 43 in our fantasy league. Go us. We're going to win yet another game. All right, y'all. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week. Peace out. Peace out.